So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the father of our faith. His name was Abraham. That's okay to be bold. If you make a mistake, at least you were bold making the mistake, okay? <laughs> Last week, we talked about passing on a heritage of faith. And today, the title of our message is The Faith to Say No to the World. The Faith to Say No to the World. We'll be in Hebrews 11, and today, today we're going to do verses 23 to 27. So if you want, you can go ahead and... And open your Bibles there. Last week we saw how Abraham passed down his heritage of faith to his son. Anyone? Isaac. Yes, and Isaac passed down his heritage of faith to Jacob. And Jacob to his 12 sons. And one of his sons was named Joseph. And the rest of his brothers were jealous of him because of his close relationship with his father. So they decided to sell him to some slave traders who were on their way to Egypt, yeah, they went home and told their father that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. And then they went on with their lives trying not to think too much about Joseph and what may or may not have happened to him in Egypt. Turns out they didn't need to worry about him because who was watching after Joseph? God was, and he blessed him. Even though Joseph spent some time in slavery and even prison, God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. And then he used this gift to catapult Joseph to the top, man. He was second only to Pharaoh in the whole kingdom, okay? And eventually Joseph forgave his brothers and moved his whole family to Egypt so that they could benefit from his position and his privileges, okay? And everything was going good as long as Joseph was alive, but then a generation or two later, there was a new Pharaoh, and he was concerned about all these Israelites in his kingdom. He was afraid that they might take over Egypt, so he forced them into slavery, okay? And they lived, the Israelite people, God's people, the Hebrews, they lived in slavery for 400 years, okay? Four centuries. And, but still, the Hebrew population continued to grow, and finally, another Pharaoh decided the solution was just to kill all the baby Hebrew boys, okay? He said that would surely slow down the growth of the Israelites. He decided that every Hebrew baby boy should immediately be thrown into the Nile River. Really mean guy. One of the boys born during this time, he was protected by his mother. She hid him for three months and then finally decided she needed to do something else. So she, she made like a waterproof basket put it in the Nile River by the reeds close to the banks and told the baby's sister to go hide and watch and just see what happens to protect him. Well, Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the Nile to take a bath and sees the basket and says, hey, servant, go get that basket. Pulls it over, they open it, and they see the baby boy. And Pharaoh's daughter says, this must be one of the Hebrew babies. And sister jumps out of the reeds and says, hey, would you like for me to go find a Hebrew woman who could nurse the baby for you? Pharaoh's daughter says, yeah, that would be great. She goes back to the mom, the mom of the baby, and Pharaoh's daughter pays her to take her own son home and nurse the baby. Pretty great thing, yeah? When the baby is finally weaned from the mother, she brings the baby back to the palace to Pharaoh's daughter and she takes him as her own son. She names him Moses, which means to be what? Anyone known? Yeah, to be pulled out because she had pulled him out of the water. And Pharaoh's daughter raises Moses as if he were her own son. He had all the privileges of the royal family. He received the very best education available. He was treated in all ways as a prince, the king 
the king's own son. But when he was 40 years old, he felt God calling him to help his own people who were being abused as slaves. One day he goes out and he sees an Egyptian beating one of the Israelite slaves. And he looks around and he hits the Egyptian and kills him, buries his body in the sand. The next day he goes out and he sees two Hebrews arguing and fighting. He moves in, tries to break it up, and one of them says, hey, who put you in charge of us? What, are you going to kill me like you did that Egyptian? So Moses, he realizes that his crime was not hidden. Eventually, Pharaoh finds out and decides to have Moses killed, but Moses goes away to a place called Midian, okay? Goes to work for a shepherd, marries the shepherd's daughter, and spends the next 40 years tending sheep for his father-in-law in the wilderness, Now we're caught up to today. Look at verse 23. It's a great story. It's good for us to remember these these things. Okay, so verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ or the abuse and shame born for Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward, future hope. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger or wrath of the king, for he endured steadfastly as seeing him or gazing upon him or fixing his eyes on him who is invisible. You remember our definition of faith for this month? Anyone? Let's say it together. Faith is trusting God completely no matter what. Let's try that again. Now, you know, I know it's really long, but it's up here this time. Faith is trusting God completely, no matter what. In order to trust him completely, no matter what, we have to say no to the world. That's what Moses' parents did. That's what Moses did, and that's what you and I must do. We need faith, though, to say no to the world. Remember when we talked about the first week, that faith isn't just something we hope for. Hope I got faith tomorrow. We have, it's not something we work up inside of ourselves to get, but faith is what? A gift from God. Just like grace is a gift from God, faith is a gift from God. So if we find ourselves short on faith, we should ask God for faith. We should ask him to help us have faith, help us to obey him and to do the things that he's asked us to do. So we need faith to say no to the world. Someone once said the greatest thing you will ever do is learn how to say no. Can anybody say amen to that? Life is a series of decisions, one after another, and many of those decisions come as opportunities present themselves to us, and we have to decide either yes or no. And then each choice we make leads us in one direction or the other, correct? In the end, the outcome of our life is really the sum total of those choices that we've made. We make our choices, and then someone said, our choices make us. So we have to have faith to say no to the world. But what does that look like? What does that look like? Today I'm going to give you four ways that we can say no to the world. Four ways that we can say no to the world. The first one is this. Like Moses, I will say no to privilege. Like Moses, I will say no to privilege. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses 
when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I will say no to privilege because my identity is servant of Christ. You have to have faith to say no to privilege. Moses had it made there in Pharaoh's palace. Now, kids, one of those sheets says to draw a beautiful palace, the most beautiful palace you can imagine. You got a pencil and some crayons. You got to think about it. Moses, he lived in the palace of Egypt. I mean, talk about beautiful, okay? There was gold everywhere. They had the fancy everything, fanciest foods, fanciest transportation, fanciest education, fanciest entertainment, fancy everything, fancy, fancy, fancy. That's where Moses lived, okay? And there in that palace, he had everything he could ever want. He had power and authority. He had leisure. He had comfort. He had security. He had anything he could dream of. But Moses knew that there was something more to life than privilege. He knew God had called his ancestors to be a special people, a special possession to God, and that God had a plan for them. And here they were in slavery, and God wanted to redeem or save them, pull them out of slavery. And somehow Moses knew that God wanted to use him to get the Israelites out of Egypt. So you see, faith determines our options. Like Moses, I need to remember who I am. Who am I? I'm a child of the king. Not Pharaoh the king, but the king of kings. And as such, I am servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my master. I don't have the right to build myself up to take care of number one, to put myself at the top of the list. I don't have that right if I'm his servant. I don't have the right to build myself up. My role is to do my master's bidding. Only after I have served him and done everything he wants me to do, may I sit down and serve myself. That's tough to hear because, man, in this, in this place where we live, in this day and time, in 2017, everything I hear, in every way I can hear it, I hear that I should be taking care of myself first. In fact, some of us came in this morning thinking about how we could take care of ourselves the rest of today, the rest of this next week. When I'm deciding between two options, like Moses, I need to remember who I am. My identity is servant of Christ. Number two is this, like Moses, I will say no to pleasure. I will say no to pleasure because my family is the church. Look at verse 25. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. When Moses looked at his choice, he could have had all the pleasures the world had to offer. I mean, his choice was harder than any choice we have to make. He could leave those behind or he could and, and cast his lot with his own people, or he could have stayed there in that palace forever, living as a king's son. His people were being mistreated as slaves. It wasn't just walking away from pleasure that he had to choose. He had to walk away from pleasure and walk into mistreatment and pain and suffering. That's the choice Moses made. Who would make that kind of choice? Many missionaries make that kind of choice. When they follow God's will to move to a difficult place, they leave maybe the comforts of home and security to go serve him in a place that's very difficult to live. That's that same kind of idea, making that kind of decision. 
Moses made this decision gladly. Physical satisfaction was available to Moses anytime he wanted it. Can you believe that? But he identified those pleasures as sin, and here's the key, only temporarily enjoyable. That's what it said there in verse 25, seeing that fleeting pleasures of sin. If we could just see sin that way, right? If we could just see it as, as temporary and fleeting, maybe it would be easier for us to run the other way when we're tempted. We so often give in to sin when it's just a short, temporary pleasure. Moses left that pleasure, and he identified himself instead with God's people. When I'm deciding between two options, one thing I needed to consider is what group of people am I aligning myself with? Am I aligning myself with God's people or those people who are not God's people? Am I aligning myself with God's people or those who are not God's people? Sometimes it may be hard to take a stand with God's people. Have you ever been there before? But that's exactly where you and I belong if you're part of God's family, is it not? Sometimes it's easier to think about that in our family. Even when your family members does something a little stupid, don't you always have their back? Well, if I'm part of God's family, even if it's difficult to stand with God's family, I'm going to stand with God's family. If we just come to church on Sunday for show and then we live the rest of our lives joining the rest of the world in the pursuit of the pleasure of sin, then we have made the wrong choice. Okay, so you're wasting your time because there's other things you could do here on Sunday morning at home. There's lots of things out. It's a nice day. If you're just coming for show or to check a box, but the rest of your week, you're living, aligning yourself with people who are not God's people, seeking after the pleasures of sin, what are you doing? I want to cast my lot with the people of God. My family is the church. I'm not looking for what I can get from them, but how I can serve them. Like Moses, I will say no to pleasure. The next one is this. Like Moses, I will say no to treasure. I will say no to treasure because my treasure is in heaven. Look at verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. This idea of future hope, this has been a consistent theme in this chapter, hasn't it? We've talked about this future hope over the last couple of weeks. And here it is again with Moses. He was looking to the reward. The reward wasn't something he was promised. God didn't say, hey, Moses, if you leave the palace and go, to, go over here to the wilderness and align yourself with my people, um, I'll make you rich. There was no promise like that, right? He's, he, he just went. Moses was looking to a future reward, an eternal reward, a heavenly home. That's been the theme all through this chapter. Material gain was very characteristic in Egypt. And Moses, he had full access to its riches and treasures. But Moses decided against them in favor of physical abuse in this world and God's approval in the next world. Let me say that again. Moses decided against the riches of Egypt in favor of physical abuse in this world, but God's approval in the next world. He knew that by leaving the, the, the treasures and the comforts of Egypt and aligning himself with God's people, God's people were slaves, being mistreated and abused. And he was saying, oh, I want to go be on that team. That's so, so odd to our, our decision-making, to the way that we think. 
Why would I ever want to lead the winning team and go to the losing team? That doesn't make any sense, but that's exactly the choice that Moses made. Only by faith will someone decide against the things that please himself and choose the things that please the Lord. Let me say that again. Only by faith will someone choose to leave the things that please himself and instead find the things that please the Lord. A lot of the decisions we make in life are based on how they will benefit us financially. True? We choose jobs based on salary. We buy houses based on price and resale value. We buy items on sale. We want to buy low and sell high. Now, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with being financially prudent. In fact, you should be. But we must never forget that money is not the main thing. Sometimes we take it too far. God owns everything in the world, and he can meet our needs much better than we can meet our own needs with a big bank account. When our decisions are based on money rather than on God's will, then we will miss out on God's will. There's been times in my life where I've made more money than other times. That's probably normal for all of us, correct? A couple weeks. I'm glad that you've already figured that out. (laughs) Somebody's doing a good job over there. There's been, I told you a couple weeks ago about mine and Brooke's journey from Texas to Florida and that it was a journey of faith. Let me tell you right now, what Sydney offered to pay me as the assistant youth guy at First Baptist Leesburg was not very much money. <laughs> if I had based that decision on finances and chosen between the two options I had um, based off just money and salary, we never would have moved to Florida. Wouldn't have happened. But that decision was based on what we believed to be God's will. Now, 15 years later, man, we look back, and it was the best decision for us. Isn't that interesting? And I believe that that always happens with God's will. When you look back after following God's will, it turns out God's will was the best decision for you. It will happen that way. Most of the time in my life, anytime I go, you know what, I think, I, I think I'm going to do this uh, because this is my will, it never ends up very good. <laughs> in fact... Most of the time, very badly. When I follow my own desires and my own will, things don't turn out so good. But when I follow and trust in Jesus, even if it doesn't seem to make sense, it always ends up being the best decision. Always. Jesus said not to worry about material things. Instead, he said we should lay up for ourselves treasures where? In heaven, where they will last for eternity. Those treasures come as we do God's will. As we serve the Lord and serve people, as we involve ourselves in God's kingdom work, as we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of Jesus, that's when those treasures come to you. He didn't mean that there was some sort of way that we could be putting away a 401k in heaven and when we get there we would have all this money if we were smart about it. He said, trust in me and do the things that I am telling you to do. And then as you're doing those things, I'm taking those treasures and getting them ready for you in your future heavenly home. So the way that you build this future hope for yourself and lay up treasures in heaven is to do God's will here on earth. And those treasures are coming to you. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's hard for us to think about future heavenly things because we're so focused on what we're doing here on earth. But that's what we've been learning these three weeks is to let go of the things here and to begin having this future hope looking toward our heavenly home. When we're doing God's will, we may not have financial gain. So let me just go ahead and tell you that. 
but we are building up ourselves treasure in heaven. The writer of Hebrews is wanting to make this point. So this is interesting because, remember, this story happened, you know, thousands of years before this was written. So he's bringing this back up. Why is he talking about Moses to the people he's writing to? You know, he's writing to these first century Christians, Okay, those first people after Jesus had left and gone to heaven, those first Christians, and, and the writer of Hebrews is writing to them, and he's saying, look, Moses could have remained with a godless people, a nation without the true God, but by faith he came to realize that the abuse suffered for Christ was greater value eternally than secular considerations. Some of those first century Christians, they may have been in danger of abandoning the church, maybe in favor of security or the social acceptability of the synagogue, okay? Maybe they were in, in danger of saying, you know what, it's, it's been kind of neat and fun with all this new stuff after Jesus went to heaven, but now people are kind of turning against us. You know, maybe we should kind of just fall back in line with, with normal culture and, and obey the rules and laws and go with the people over here that say this is what's... This is what's right to do and not be so eccentric and, and leading the way for this Jesus army thing. And maybe, they, maybe the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, be like Moses. Decide by faith to choose those things that are eternal. Don't give up. Be prepared to suffer abuse for Christ's sake. The stigma that rests on Jesus was for Moses a treasure of priceless worth. He saw the future hope. Not, not, not wanting to just fall back in line and, and be safe and, and comfortable. But he wanted to put his, his bet, he wanted to gamble on the ultimate God, the one true God, the God of, of creation. Like Moses, I will say no to treasure because my treasure is in heaven. The final one is this. Like Moses, I will say no to fear. I will say no to fear because faith sharpens my vision. Look at verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him or fixing his eyes on him who is invisible. Don't think that Moses was afraid of Pharaoh, and that's why he left and ran away to Midian. This verse right here tells us. It wasn't out of fear, but it was out of faith that he left Egypt, trusting that God would take care of him no matter what. Moses did not look into the face of Pharaoh, but instead fixed his eyes on God. It is a choice for any of us to look away from one object and, and look to another. That's a choice that we make. And we ought to be fixing our eyes on the ultimate instead of the immediate, on the eternal reward rather than our temporal gain. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear shows that we're not really trusting God completely. A few weeks ago, I said, if you trust God up to a certain point, that's not true faith. If you trust God to do A, B, and C, but not D, that's not true faith. Faith is trusting God completely what? No matter what. We must let our faith in Christ conquer our fear. We must allow our faith to sharpen our vision and fix our eyes on our creator. I don't know about you, but without fail, I can trace my sin to times when my gaze was not on Jesus. When I sin, it's because my eyes are not fixed on him. 
my eyes are fixed on myself or the world or my pleasure or my desires or my wants or my, 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 that's when I sin. Do you feel that way? If you can trace your sin back, I guarantee you it's probably been a time when you were not fixing your gaze on Jesus. Set your eyes on him, not the world. The world is fleeting. The world is temporary, but God's word is forever. I titled this message, The Faith to Say No to the World, but by now that we've worked through it, you can probably realize that it would be more aptly titled, The Faith to Say No to Myself. True? Certainly the world offers all kinds of temptations, But where we run into trouble is when we let ourselves be tempted by those temptations. The biggest problem we have is not what the world has to offer, but the problem is what we desire for ourselves. The problem is not that the world offers privileges and pleasure and treasure. The problem is that deep down, that's really what you and I want. Privileges, pleasure, and treasure. That's the main problem. That's what we want for our life. And even if the world does not readily present those things to us, what do we do? We go looking for them. So the solution is not putting blinders on so that we don't notice the lures of the world. A much more radical solution is needed than that. We need a basic transformation of our heart, changing our desires from what we want to what God wants. As long as we are more interested in what we want than what God wants, we can never truly live by faith. It's only when we give up those desires, our own preferences or felt needs or own goals or ideas and our own opinions. It's only then that our hearts will have room to receive God's desires and begin to run after them. I've tried and it's impossible to try to keep your desires and his desires both. Can't do it. When that happens, when our desires are replaced by God's desires, that's when the Bible says God will give us the desires of our heart. Yeah, did you know that there was a part before that? We've been going around memorizing, God will give me the desires of my heart. But see, the desires of my heart have to be his desires. If the desire of your heart is privilege and pleasure and treasure, please don't expect God to bend over backwards to make sure you get the desires of your heart. It won't happen. But if your desire is to serve him and to serve people, if your desire is to honor him with your life, if your desire is to find the place where he wants to use you for his kingdom, if it's to help others who cannot help themselves, if your desire is to reach out and tell people about Jesus and to make disciples, if your desire is to burn yourself out for the glory of God, then I guarantee it the Lord will give you the desires of your heart every time. So when you're seeking to live by faith, then you can't make decisions the way you've always learned to make them. I'm sure somewhere along the way someone told you when you needed to make a tough decision, you should get out a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle and write pros and cons. You ever done that before? Pros, all the things that would be good about this decision, cons, all the bad things. And then when you get done with your list, it should be easy to decide one way or the other. That works just fine if you're trying to please yourself, okay? If you're trying to benefit yourself or bring gain to yourself. But if you're wanting to serve God and live for him, that method is not going to serve you very well. 
Can you imagine if Moses made a pros and cons list about leaving Egypt? There's no way he would have left Egypt if he had made a pros and cons list like that. Let me see. Uh, Spent 40 years as a sheep herder for a father-in-law who is a shepherd in the wilderness. Or stay in the palace with the gold and all the pleasure and treasure and all that stuff that I got. Here's what you do. When you make out your list, on the left side you put all the ways that the opportunity you are considering will give you an opportunity to serve the Lord more now, than, more than you are now, to bring more glory to his name than you are now, to be more obedient to him, to draw closer to him. And on the other side, list all the ways that you will give up serving him by taking that opportunity, all the ways you'll be more focused on what you want rather than what God wants, all the ways that taking the opportunity will put the emphasis on you rather than on God. Then do your list and then make your decision. Decide to do what bring, brings God glory. What enables you to sacrifice yourself for his kingdom? What gives you greater opportunity to serve God and serve people? That's what Moses did. And that's what you and I want to do also. As we get ready to close, I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to read just a passage from Luke. It's a very familiar passage to all of us. But I want you to bow your heads and and we'll get ready to close and pray in a minute. But this is the kind of sermon that it's really, really easy to just listen to and then walk out the door and do nothing about. Because saying no to myself, saying no to the things that I want deep in my heart, I'm just not ready to do that yet. And a lot of us will walk out that door today because we don't believe, we don't have faith that trusting and doing God's will is better for us than doing the things and meeting our own needs and the desires of our heart, serving ourselves. We don't truly believe that. And there's this gap, because we know it in our minds. We can say in our minds, of course, following God's will is better for my life than following my own desires. But there's a gap between what I know in my mind and what I truly believe in my heart, and that gap is called sanctification. That gap is what I actually live like. That gap needs to be shortened so that I can actually live in a way that is, that is consistent with what I say I believe. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said this. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Like Moses, I want to say no to the world. I want to say no to Satan. I want to say no to sin. No to myself and the self-centered desires of my wicked heart. If I know myself well enough, I know that those things are true. And I want to say no to that stuff. I want to deny myself. I want to take up my cross daily and follow Jesus wherever he leads me. I want to trust him completely no matter what. So as you bow your heads, here's the deal. What about you? Are you clinging to privileges and preferences, desires and dreams and pleasures and treasures? Are you letting fear of what might happen keep you from stepping out in faith and follow Jesus? Are you letting that fear keeping you from doing what you know God wants you to do? 
I would say today, stop putting it off. Take a step. Make a commitment to Christ. Surrender yourself to be his servant. Consider doing everything he wants you to do before ever even thinking about sitting down to serve yourself. Cast your lot with this church family, with heritage. Lay up for your treasure, yourself treasures in heaven instead of treasures here on earth. Let faith conquer your fear. Let faith sharpen your vision so that you can cast your eyes on God the creator and turn your gaze away from the things of this world. Do what you know God wants you to do and you will be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. He will give you all the desires of your heart as those desires of your heart are transformed from your own selfish desires to desires that build up him and his kingdom that bring glory to Jesus Christ. That's the challenge for today. And I would say that if you need help trying to make that decision, you should say it out loud to someone. When we get done praying, when you look up, the overseers are going to be down here at the front. Pastor Melvin will be down here. Some of these other overseers that are here today, they're going to be down here when we get done praying. And, and if you're struggling with, do I have the faith enough to do what Brian is saying? I would say the first step you should do is come and say it out loud to someone. Because when you say it out loud, then all of a sudden, God begins to work that faith inside of you and give you more and more faith. Sometimes it takes a whole lot of faith to do something. Sometimes Jesus says all you need is a tiny little bit of faith like a mustard seed. Sometimes all he wants is for us to take that first step, that first commitment to say, I want to follow you. And then he begins to work in us to build up more faith so that we're strong enough to do the things that he has prepared for us to do. Come and talk to an overseer. Come and say, I want to take that step of faith to begin saying no to myself, to begin saying no to the world and saying yes to God and his will for my life because I want to experience a future hope, treasures in heaven that come when I begin to follow him and his will. Let's pray. Overseers, if you would come forward. Father, we love you and we're so grateful for your word, so, so grateful for these, these heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, that have, that have showed us an example. Thank you for Moses and his, and his parents who did not fear the world, but they said no to the world and said yes to you. They followed faith. They followed what was in their heart that you had placed there, and then you blessed them for it with a future home, a future hope, a heavenly home. Father, help us to fix our gaze on you, to turn away and run the other way from sin. To not be tempted by the, by the desires, the lures, the, the temptations of this world. But instead we would turn away from them because we see them for what they are. They're fleeting. They're temporary. They're not eternal. And that we would turn and fix our eyes on you. The maker, the author, the finisher of our faith. The creator, the savior, the one who gave his all for us so that we could be called children of the king of kings. Put in us a desire, Father, to follow you in all that we do. To quit being on the fence of trying to follow you, but also making sure that our, our wants and desires are fulfilled. Father, I want Heritage to be a church family that, that has our gaze completely fixed on you. What would you do in our community if that was our, if that was our church family story? 
Father, if we're short on faith, I pray for faith. Build it up into us so that we would live courageous, faithful lives, following you each step of the way. Thank you for all that you've done and all the blessings. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.